Okie dokie. Are you ready? Born ready. Dragonborn ready. Way. <laughs> oh my god, you've got to edit that in at the beginning. No. That's terrible pun. <laughs> no. <laughs> there and welcome to another exciting episode of the dm's book club a podcast that i don't need to look the name up every time i say it because i don't have stage fright a few seconds before doesn't matter how many times i say it i forget because that's me this is a podcast where fiona and i sit down and chat about the things we've been reading about to do with D. To be fair, it's normally D content. Maybe one day we'll branch out. Maybe I'll actually put some effort into doing a decent chapter of a decent size. <laughs> Fiona puts up with a lot. Let's check in with her. How are you doing? Hello, live and reporting from London. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I give the UK eight. Eight, um, yes. Nil pois. <laughs> Nil pois. Uh, I'm doing very well. Thank you. Very, um, yeah, I was saying to you a little while ago that I've realized how important I am at work because I checked my work emails whilst on holiday, which I know you're not supposed to do, but I did. And it was very interesting to see that nobody read any of my emails. And <laughs> <laughs> so it's just that statement is fantastic. As one we can all associate with, I just I just realized how important I am at work. They've, they're moving on and I haven't yeah. even left. Just no, holiday. Just, it's, it's just nice to, to go, no, no, I am taking the two week break. And they're like, okay, okay. And then suddenly, oh, but we've got these things. I'm like, yeah, I'm not, I'm not here the next two weeks what? I was like, yeah, that's, that's not yeah. my fault. You had oh, six God, months they, to black it. I know they forgot all of my holiday all the time. Every single time I have the same conversation, it's just like, you're off. You didn't say you were off. It's like, we booked the holiday six months ago. Yeah. But it was six months ago. So I've forgotten about it. I put it in your calendar, but I don't look at that. You're like, forget, ugh. No matter what I do, it's the mm. wrong thing. And like, if I put it in, in the manager's Canada, uh, Canada, if I put it in their calendar. Oh well, yeah, they'll never see it in Canada, yeah. <laughs> exactly, but it's the wrong calendar. If I put it in mine, they won't see it. If I put it in both, they're just like, I got confused and I, it was yeah. too far away. So I forgot about it and you're like, oh. Yeah, we, we have we have three different calendars. Obviously our own calendar where we put it in. Then we have our our team calendar for it. In, and then the, the team calendar with the other team so that everyone knows that there's always somebody in the office whenever people, but of course, you know, when it's two teams, it just looks like everyone's off at different points. And so you're like, how am I going to organize any meetings? It's oh, absolute chaos. It's like, no, it's like, am I that important to to book, you know, for people to know? Turns out, yes. Um, but that's that's not my fault. So. <laughs> it's not my fault. I'm that important. I am just wonderful at life. And oh. quite frankly, the world needs to accept and roll with that, which Indeed. is fantastic. So... Fiona, yes. jumping straight into the giddy, fantastical world of D&D, what have you got for us today? So, Ryan, as we've just you know, springboarded off the fact of how important am I at work, I hear dragons are quite important for Dungeons & Dragons. They're like... <laughs> One of the one of the pinnacle parts. You need your dungeons, but you may also need your dragons. And we've talked about dragons before on this podcast. We've talked about the metallic dragons and the chromatic dragons, and how obviously in the before times, uh, mm. before again, my favorite thing at the moment, before Tasha's came out, um, there was a sort of big good versus evil war between them, and mm. there was this elusive sort of gem dragons, which weren't really uh, involved in fifth edition, but obviously were in previous editions. And now with new uh, Unearthed Arcana, we're trying to look at, sort of revisit 
uh, draconic races in general and sort of giving the a bit more variety than that what is in the uh, player's handbook so today we're going to look at unearthed arcana draconic options different mm. ways and a different alternative to the dragonborn race that's shown in the player's handbook as well as a fresh look at the cobalt race which i think will be quite interesting because we did touch on that recently as well that uh, is something I am distinctly looking forward to because <laughs> I have a thing for kobolds because they are brilliant. They are One brilliant. thing I thought I'd mention before we get started as well is if you are intrepid followers of the podcast, you will be aware that last episode, I think it depends on this is testing to see whether or not you put them out in order, either last <laughs> episode or in a future episode, we talk about the wild options mm. and just like draconic options, a lot of the things that this unearthed Connor is going through there are some unwritten rules that sort of apply throughout to do with, and you've mentioned it, ability score increases mm-hmm. and languages. Tasha brought out a new set of rules that effectively opens the door to whatever creative choices you want to make to stop you from getting pigeonholed in the stereotypes of a particular race or species and to be able to be more flexible with the character creation. So I didn't think I mentioned it enough at the beginning of when I did my (laughs) section. So just a reminder, ability score increases, you can do what you want with now. It's either a plus two or a plus one in whatever you want, or three plus ones, I believe is the other option. Mm -hmm. And languages, effectively, you get to agree with your DM what languages you speak based on a decent assortment and and what would be appropriate for your character. Mm Brilliant. Right. right. Disclaimer done. done. <laughs> Disclaimer done. No, and I think Let's it's Let's dive in. <laughs> Let's dive in. Well, before before we dive in, there's actually an extra bit in it. As you will see, right, it is oh. actually seven pages, not four <gasps> pages. I know. I wonder if they had some feedback about this in the Unearthed Arcana, saying it's nice to get new races options or new ancestry options, but we want more. We want to test out more. Or they wanted to try out more. So actually, at the end of this, you've got an assortment of spells and a handful of feats which have a connection to draconic power. And they're quite interesting, I think. it's um, So we'll have a quick look at those as well, but primarily we're gonna look at the draconic options, so the alternative uh, races that you could play. Speaking of the draconic options, I mm-hmm. think probably the best place to start is giving us a little bit of a vague general advice about what sort of dragons we've got. So mm-hmm. what have we got on our plate? So as I sort of referred to before, we have sort of three types of, uh, I, I don't want to say main dragons, that's not what I mean, but three distinct lineages of dragon. We've obviously, like I said, we've got the chromatic ones, which are the ones that are in the past seen as the baddies. So they're the ones with the sort of the black, green, blue, red, white. They have uh, raw elemental fury. Which I think is a great, great uh, just way of describing things in general. If you if you are described in your meeting as raw elemental fury, don't mess with me. I guess <laughs> so. That's on one side, and it, you, I guess the most famous example of that is Tiamat, the, the five-headed mother of dragons. Uh, you've, mm. you've seen the mini everywhere. It's, it's on many books. Uh, she's pretty badass, essentially, and currently resides in one of the layers of hell, I seem to remember. Avernus, uh, I believe. Avernus, that is right. On the opposite side, you have the metallic dragons. Again, these are the dragons which we are most commonly associated with good, uh, but again, uh, not necessarily so anymore. But you've got uh, they've got the unflinching tenacity of metallic. So brass, bronze, copper, gold, silver, all colours which all look very similar to me. <laughs> compared yeah. to... I have to say, there's one thing that I always read about when, when this sort of comes up, because metallic dragons are always described as being like strong and, and tenacious because metal is. And I can just tell you now that copper, gold and silver are not 
very tenacious <laughs> metals. They are malleable. They are soft. There is a reason why nothing hard is made from them. <laughs> oh, brass as well. That's what I'm thinking, God, how much brass do we have? I know. At least that's an alloy, at the very least. And bronze, yes. I get. They did actually make things out of that. But we're not talking steel or titanium here. We're talking... You know, gold is a superconductor. They use it in phones. They do not use it in armor. There's a reason. <laughs> I love the idea of having a titanium dragon option, though. That'll be mm. that'll be like high up on the scale. But of course, finally, as I said, referred to, there is a third option. There's the gem dragon. So these are they claim to be heirs of the ruby dragon, whose name I will get wrong, but I think it's Sardior. I, I think it's like Dior. Sadio, as, yeah. Sadio? Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. Dior. Yeah, Dior. yeah, I like that. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Sadio is the firstborn of all creation made by Bahamut, who is the uh, one of the uh, metallic dragons, the head of the metallic dragon. So I think he's a giant white dragon, I seem to remember. He's the platinum dragon, I think. The platinum dragon. Yeah, yeah, see, I got I got my history wrong. I say the great platinum mm-hmm. dragon and the Tiamat, who is obviously the five-headed mother of dragons uh, in the first days of the first world. And it talks about their colours being you know, amethyst, crystal, emerald, sapphire, and topaz. And it's, yeah, again, it's with all this sort of, um, the different sort of variations of it, you just having those colours. And you can imagine if there was a huge big fight between these dragons in the sky, just seeing this whole shift of colours smashing and clashing together, the, the way the hues are glinting off their scales. It's just, yeah, I think just being able to describe any kind of dragon or dragonborn as we'll go into with having these beautiful colors is is quite flavorful and just i think just being aware of it when you're describing it although i like the idea of being a topaz dragonborn like i just i'm topaz (laughs) (laughs) now gem dragons are an interesting one because i think they've been around in DD law for some time but Mm -hmm. i'd never heard of them before personally until we'd spoken about them i believe on one of the previous episodes of last season. God, Mm -hmm. this must be a long time ago now. Mm. And they keep sort of coming up. Yeah, imagine if the good guy and the bad guy have a kid and it's conflicted and wants to be neither of them. It's this neutral (laughs) dragon, isn't it? But I just love the idea of gem dragons. They're Mm. just, Dior, I think, would be the perfect god of a gem dragon they're just fabulous <laughs> and sparkly and smell delightful <laughs> yes yeah but but you're right that originally their alignment was neutral because you'd already had the good and the bad and then together they had neutral and i have a sneaking suspicion by by the end of this year we'll have stats for uh, five edition stats sorry for gem dragons i think they're going to make a comeback because uh, yeah. it, it feels like it's about time they recently released I think it was last year, it was the 45th anniversary of Dungeons and Dragons. They released stats for Sapphire Dragons, because obviously Sapphire is 45 years. So I mm. think going forward, they're definitely going to have more and more gem dragon stats. I totally agree with you. And, and dragons are something that actually a lot of third-party publishers often mm. put a lot of material out for as well. I have a lot of cobbled press material, ah, which yes. they have a lot of things called the Tome of Beasts and Tome of Beasts 2. And interestingly, Tome of Beasts 3, um, which are just it's just sequences of the same yeah there are always versions of dragons in that people love playing around with dragons and gem dragons haven't quite made an appearance yet but they will Mm. you can just guarantee they will so dragonborns as we know them are sort of humanoid dragons no tails or anything like that they just look imagine an upstanding crocodile that's how i imagine it because our player Sam drew a crocodile standing up for his character. <laughs> I've always seen it like that. I've never seen it otherwise. Um, but yes, yeah, so obviously we've got the three different types. We've got chromatic, metallic, and gem. Let's look at chromatic first. So again, it describes Fantastic. it as 
raw elemental power, fury of the volcano, the biting of arctic winds, the raging of lightning storms. But they've also got the subtle whisper of the swamp and forest, corrosive and toxic. Which I, I love the idea of a dragon being subtle. Like green <laughs> dragons are not subtle creatures. They are not I, subtle I just, at all. oh, it's amazing. But they're, they're elemental in force, chromatic dragons, aren't they? That's the biggest exactly. thing. There's no civilization about them. They are emotional, wild, passionate, and angry creatures that rely on instinct and natural destructive energy. That's one in my head, it's always the biggest difference between that and metallic dragons which are much more civilized i would guess like yeah. refined and and purposeful Refined. where metallics are ref yeah like, like specifically for a purpose chromatics are just wild and uncontrolled but mm. yeah so, so we've got the five different evil evil i use inverted commas dragons yeah. um yeah tell us about what sort of dragon born get born from them so yeah again it's got at the top you've got the different kinds of uh, creature types and we did talk about this again last time that there are you know, we've got different types of different creatures. Um, this is a humanoid. It's not a, a draconic or a dragon or a monstrosity. Mm -hmm. Interestingly enough, though, on a previous uh, podcast, I started jumping back a bit, we had uh, John Dodge from UK Games Expo talking about the uh, horror lineages. And in those ones, you could actually have two types on it. You could be uh, an undead and a humanoid, or you could be a construct and a humanoid. And with both the Fey Folk one and this one, it's always humanoid or something else. So obviously Fae Folk was, one of them was a Fae. Mm -hmm. And what's interesting about that, and in the first page, it talks about creature type, how that's the rules, they don't have rules themselves, but there are different ways that certain spells will affect on them. So for example, cure wounds won't work on a creature that's a construct, for example, yeah, yeah. Or, or, or maybe undead, but it will work on a humanoid. So if you have a creature, if you've got a, a character that is both a humanoid and undead, cure wounds will technically still work. And mm. it, yeah, so it, I thought that was quite interesting. It doesn't really affect this particular Unearthed Arcana, but I thought it's good to mention that in future because where you might have several types, it does affect certain things. But then again, does that mean Divine Smite works on the undead if you're also a humanoid? I think mm. you have to play it by ear on that one. You probably just, would, just, yeah, yeah. Just, I mean, just some food for thought on that one. Humanoids, mediums, 30 feet of walking speed seems pretty standard so far. Standard so far. And then you have the chromatic ancestry, which you don't have to roll on. You can just pick. I think we talked about this a little bit last time where there are suggestions or there's tables to give you an idea and you roll a D8 and you see what you get. They've taken that out now. And I think maybe it's because through feedback or something like that, they've gone, actually, you could just pick, you know, rather than rolling and go, oh, I don't want that option. So, yeah, you've got, the, like I said, the five types. You've got black, which is acid damage, blue, which is lightning damage, green, which is poison damage, red, which is fire damage, obviously, and white, which is cold damage. So all the elements are covered. But as I said, I always get black and green mixed up, so that's acid and poison. I just assume they're the same thing, but they're not. So make sure you're aware of which one you're choosing for that one. Absolutely. Acid and poison are very different. Very, very different. Poison... Poison is an element type that in D&D has a lot of things that is resistant to it or immune to it. I mean, if you're going into a campaign where you're fighting the undead, think again. Think again. <laughs> think <laughs> just... again. But then equally, I mean, as we'll go through, it's not just the offensive capability, it's also the defensive capability. So there are there are useful things for, for both. So exactly. we're used to Dragonborn from the player's handbook. So mm -hmm. some things that these Unearthed Arcana Dragonborn have are, are similar, right? So yes. there's a breath weapon is, is the first thing. Yes. Yeah, so all of these uh, creatures, I think even the Cobalt to an extent have a breath weapon of some sort. So essentially you take the attack action and you can replace one of your attacks with an exhalation of magical energy, which I always think is quite, <laughs> quite amusing. So for the Chromatic Dragon, it is a 30 foot line that is five feet wide. 
and then any creatures in that line have to make a saving throw and they take 2d8 damage of the type that's associated with your ancestry and then that increases all the way up to 5d8 when you get to level 17. So you can pick quite a punch um, and you can use it a number of times per your proficiency and then you regain them all year long. So you can't use it all the time but it's yeah. still pretty good. But what you're sort of referring to is something called draconic resistance, so that you already have a resistance to the damage type that you are associated with. So obviously, if you are a blue dragon that spouts out lightning, you will have an automatic resistance to lightning damage, which mm -hmm. makes sense. And then for the for particularly for the chromatic dragons, you have something called chromatic warding. At the start of level three, you have an action that channels your draconic energies or, or magics, I would say, to protect yourself. And so for 10 minutes, you become immune to that damage type that's associated mm. with yourself. And you can only do it once per long rest, which can be, I think 10 minutes is it's a long time in D. &D. Mm. So it's a it's a one all or nothing. So that's a big situational thing. You can jump this into a volcano if you're a red dragonborn, you could jump into the frozen sea if you were a uh, white dragonborn so some really useful applications but I, I, I think this is the first time in a little while I've actually seen something that gives immunity to damage normally it's just resistance but that is definitely a step up the breath weapon as well a couple of things I noticed but seem to be different to the player's handbook one mm -hmm. so correct me if I'm wrong but the player's handbook breath weapon I think was once per long rest was it or yes so having a number of times equal to proficiency bonus is definitely a step up but that's not even the best bit it's right at the beginning do you see when when you take the attack action you can replace one of your attacks mm -hmm. with an exhalation of magical energy so if you've got multi-attack you can breath weapon and still then attack regularly yes, so exactly. it's not a one or the other thing this is just a single weapon attack replacement yeah. which i think is fantastic yeah, because again, it's it is sort of a because it, it goes up quite a lot. I mean, two d eight damage when you're at level one to three is quite significant anyway. So most if you're attacking only once, it's usually like a, a d eight or a d twelve something. So that is quite a, a hell mary, and being able to do it several times is quite good. And then all the way up to five d eight, yeah, it's it can hit quite a powerful punch. So yeah, it's a mm. pretty good one. Again, what we'll see when we go on to the other dragon balls, it is slightly different. I didn't realize that all the breath weapons were different, and I don't know if it's the same the actual actual dragons the different dragons types as well i think they are the same in the sense of like so obviously here you've got a 30 foot line that's five feet wide so that can hit quite far away in a mm. particular room but they all have to be hopefully standing <laughs> all one behind each other so sorry sir, do you mind just shifting to your left slightly just all in the line thank you Pat. Yeah, just 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 angle it up exactly <laughs> exactly that absolutely yeah there are some I mean, I, I quite like, as I say, any class that can breathe an elemental flame or fire or ice or lightning is, is a cool thing for me. I do, I do appreciate that. And there are different situations and different things that may, you know, require you to do that. It's going to be less useful if you're a wizard because throwing a fireball is always going to be better. But if you are a melee class, for instance, it is just another thing that you can add to your arsenal. So very useful. Interestingly enough, and this is what I was thinking, um, when you make an attack action with a weapon, you can make a bonus attack to attack with an offhand weapon, right? Mm. But you can't just make a, an offhand weapon attack unless you've made a regular attack. It's sort of part of the same sort of cycle effectively. So if you've got two daggers, you attack one with the action and you bonus action with the other. Mm -hmm. In theory, if you're a two weapon fighter, then you can attack replace with the breath weapon and then still do your off-arm attack mm -hmm. with the second attack. And I think as I read it, according to the rules, that would be totally fine. Mm -hmm. So I'm thinking if you were, say, a rogue, for instance, with a dagger in your offhand, you could breathe fire and then attack and still get sneak attack damage if you then did that. Mm -hmm. So there are some unique sort of 
I don't know, like the sort of thoughts and, and things that sort of help with this, I think. As you said, like the sort of the sneaky dragon, the idea that, <laughs> that there's a dragon ball is like, hello, ah, stab, done. <laughs> I have the subtlety of a swamp. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> that, those are chromatic. Those are, these are your bad people. What about your goods, so your metallics? How metallics. do they differ to, to chromatics? So as I sort of said before, so these are the unflinching, unflinching sorry, tenacity of the metallic dragons. So you've got the fire of the half and forge, the cold of the high mountain air, the spark of inspiration, uh, the <laughs> scoring touch of acid that cleanses and purifies. So again, I think we've talked about this before. <laughs> I'm covered in acid and a dragon helpfully goes, soon your skeleton will be pure of flesh. Yay. <laughs> you have been cleansed. Congrats. Uh. <laughs> I've been so hard trying to get rid of obviously the evil and, and good things out of it. But you can tell with the writing of this, like compared to before, where it was like corrosive and toxic. This is like cleansing and pure, like a face peel. Like it's it's very <laughs> they've you know they've clearly <laughs> written it in different ways, which I think is hilarious. That they're trying to, they're really trying to get rid of like it's signposting, but at the same time, it's like, well, they could be good or they could be evil. So yeah, yeah. I yep. thought that was good. But yes, same same sort of things to begin with. You've got you know, creature type humanoid, medium size, walking speed of 30, and then metallic ancestry you've got brass which is fire bronze that's lightning copper which is acid gold which is fire oh you've got two fires i forgot about that and then silver which is cold so you don't mm. have poison i guess poison is considered too evil perhaps um, yeah exactly so. too evil so breath weapon is is very similar right it, except from instead of being a 30 foot line we've got a 15 foot cone so yes. different shape different use there yeah which i again i i assume that it will all be the same but apparently not so yeah i guess it is interesting that that's the case and you get but same sort of damage you get 2d8 damage with that associated type which goes all the way up to 5d8 when you get to the level 17 and of course you get draconic resistance which is you know resistance to your damage type associated with your ancestry but but the cool thing about metallic dragons is that you don't get one breath weapon oh no you get two because if you look i guess if you remember from our own episode last season they have stuff like sleep they have stuff like um i think it was paralyzing breath as well mm. and so you get a similar thing so at third level you gain a second breath weapon when you take the attack action you can replace one of your attacks with an exhalation of magical gas in a 15 yep. foot cone so slightly different and then the saves ec is a, a constitution saving throw and you can choose one of the following options you can either have each creature in the air to succeed on a strength saving throw or be pushed 20 feet away from you and be not prone which is always pretty good or they must succeed on a constitution saving throw and become incapacitated to the start of your next turn mm. there are some fantastic options there being able to hit multiple creatures and incapacitate some of them is a encounter swinging change yes. for you especially if you're being swarmed or if there's some big bads and they get very bad constitution saving throws Strength and constitution saving throws generally for baddies tends to be quite strong. So don't be surprised if these things don't always work. Mm -hmm. But, I mean, that's a really cool option. And, and it's in addition to your regular breath weapon, isn't it? You get to use this once per long rest. So Yes. So, but, that that, is... but again, like you could technically, if you had multi-attack, use one breath weapon on one thing and then the second breath weapon on the other. So you could just take two big inhalations and then go, oh, <laughs> I'm thinking the swashbuckling sort of rogue um, yeah. aspect or even just a regular rogue actually just knock someone over prone to give you advantage or incapacitate them to give you advantage and then sneak attack advantage with your offhand, even if there's no ally within range. It, mm -hmm. it's, it's a decent combo, actually. 
yeah, I guess compared to the chromatic ones, which obviously have a bit of a bigger reach, but obviously a smaller area of effect, you've got the, yeah, like I said, 15 foot cone, which will spread out from you. So, and both both breath weapons, sorry, try saying that, uh, 15 foot <laughs> cone. So they will cover the same areas, so will be the same people you attack, essentially. Exactly. But that metallic breath weapon is in replacement to the chromatic immunity, isn't it? So there's no immunity for elemental damage with these types. It's more, you have some control use, but you don't have defensive use. So. Exactly. Let's visit the new type of dragons, these gem dragons. What sort of, yes. what sort of uh, excitement have we got when we have a look at these guys? They talked about the colours and mysterious powers of gem dragons, which again is like, ooh, mysterious? In what way? You know in what way. It's all about the mind. It's the force of will. It's the brilliant light of insight. <laughs> it's the resounding echo of discovery. And it's a word I can't pronounce, of despair. Desiccation. Great word, desiccation. Great word. I mean, I, you don't use that word enough. I think no. I, you, everyone should bring that in. <laughs> Next meeting, bring it in. <laughs> so this meeting gives me a desiccation of despair. Uh, <laughs> That would be far too true with most work, to be fair. It is, it is so true. Um, but yet, same sort of thing to begin with. You've got, they are humanoid. They've got, they're a medium, water speed of 30, and then gem ancestry. So here, you've got amethyst, which is a damage type of force. You've got crystal, which is radiant, which in my head makes sense. Emerald, which is psychic. Mm. Um, sapphire, which is thunder. And topaz, which is necrotic. Which, oh. Oh, yeah. To be interesting damage types, these ones, these are not your, your typical elementals. These are the weirder ones that tend to be in different things. As apart from thunder, thunder is normally, you can put that into the sort of regular things, mm -hmm. but radiant necrotic or psychic damage is an interesting one. Very few mm -hmm. things give you psychic damage, actually. So that's cool. So, yeah. So again, I, maybe if you were making a, a campaign, if you were going to go for higher levels already, maybe considering a gem dragonborn would be actually quite interesting because then. I guess, because as we've talked about it before, when you get higher up, quite a lot of things do have resistances to most different types or common types of uh, damage types. Wow, I've said types way too long <laughs> and now it's not become a word. But yeah, like you said, like force damage, radiant damage, psychic damage, necrotic. These are all high level, high damaging stuff, which many mm. players will not have defenses against. And presumably not many uh, big bads will have resistances to either. So yeah, mm. interesting, I think, from that point. Moving on, though, you've got the, the breath weapon. Again, so the same sort of thing, but it, again, like the uh, like the metallic dragons, it is in a fifteen foot cone, yep. and the, the, it goes up all the way to five d eight. Five d eight, our favorite thing, and you have draconic resistances to that type uh, associated with your gem ancestry. So you would be, if you were a topaz dragon, resistant to necrotic, which again could be quite quite useful in higher level fights. Mm. So, yeah, Especially in a, in a Curse of Strahd campaign, that's not a bad idea, is no, it? Necrotic damage I don't resistance. Know what you're talking about? <laughs> that changes, <laughs> changes all damage type to fire, just in case. <laughs> yep. No, it's it's really really cool, and um, I, yeah, they've got the draconic resistance as well. So so far, so good. Um, yes. What else has a gem dragonborn got? I am so glad you asked me, Ryan. So they've got two extra things. Um, one is psionic mind so they can you can speak telepathically to any creature you can see within 30 feet of you uh, the creature must be able to understand sorry one language but it doesn't give them the ability to respond to you telepathically 
as we've talked about before, telepathic uh, telepathy works great, but only if everyone's on the link, <laughs> everyone's in yep. the party chat. <laughs> if yep. it's just you giving out orders, it can be really disconcerting. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It, it's a one-way communication as well. So you can talk and anyone can understand you, but they can't talk back. So, I mean, it, it's pretty useful if there are animals or there are, I mean, actually, to be fair, it says it's got to understand at least one language. So, yeah. um, But if there's anything that is necessarily violent and is misunderstanding you, you can quickly go hang on stop stop we're friends we're friends what are you doing and they sort of look at you and, and maybe it sort of stops yeah telepathy is a very very useful thing mm. it can be especially in silent stealth missions if you're captured if you're trying to interrogate someone all these things are very useful it's only with one person though it's just any creature within the 30 feet so i guess it's if you're doing it in rounds you can only be one person rather than a group of people because yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's always again like you said it's always useful it's only within 30 feet though and you can see it so it's not as far as message or sending perhaps which might be mm. a bit more useful but they are obviously spells so yeah yeah, yeah. it's good it's good to know i guess but Fiona, yes, I Ryan. want my character to fly. Can oh. my character fly? If you're a gem dragonborn, yes, you can fly. There is something called, <laughs> and I hate, I hate it so much, Ryan, called gem flights. So I'm amazing. Starting, amazing. Starting at level three, uh, your bonus action to temporarily summon an array of spectral gems that match your gem ancestry in the shape of wings. Little wings, yay! <laughs> lasts for one minute. Uh, and you gain a fly speed equal to your walking speed and you can hover and you can only use it once per long rest but it looks cool i'm not gonna lie the idea that you just sort of like power up and need these amazing sort of gems you, you look fabulous you are dior right you are you yeah, are chanel yeah. but ah oh, it's always been my thing is that i'm not a big fan of people who are able to fly at level one i say that as someone who has a magical item that makes them fly <laughs> quite often you got that very early on and to be fair this one is a level three thing so at least yes. you've got a couple of, of little jinx and it's once per day as well so unlike characters yes. that can always fly this is a use it for a minute so there's either you're going to have a very limited circumstantial thing to, to be able to get around or it's going to be in battle and you get to use it for one yes. one thing and don't forget as well this is something for dms to remember but if people insist on flying everywhere and they get knocked unconscious remember that then they then fall yes. and normally hit the ground and normally take a death saving throw fail immediately mm -hmm. when doing that so there are risks to flying yes. um it makes you as soon as you start rolling a death save and you already have one fail, it makes the whole thing horrendous because suddenly you're like, if I roll a one, that's it. Game that's over. gone. So it, it is definitely something to keep an eye on. Thinking back to what we said in the last episode about Fey folk, obviously the owl folk have that reaction to make a DC check so that if they're falling, they can right themselves. So you don't get it with gem dragons, maybe because they look too cool, like falling in style. That's what I like in my head that they're just like crashing into the ground. But yeah, so those are the three different types of dragonborn that I've given out in this draconic options. But of course, we have saved the best to last. We're going to look at <laughs> kobolds. So kobolds. Kobolds. Are, yes. Kobolds. <laughs> kobolds. Yes. Oh my goodness, I love kobolds. So I, I, I think it is. Is it? It is Volos that kobolds have got a yes. whole section in about their communities and how they work. So there is already published material. I don't think we've done an episode on kobolds, and we really should because we it's should. just wonderful. But. They were in Volo's Guide as, as player characters, monstrous players' characters before, mm -hmm. but this is a new tweak on them, isn't it? Yes. So in the one from before, in the Volo's Guide, they did have negative stats. And there was a lot of, a lot of outcry about this, having like, you know, like certain things like the aggressive, aggressiveness of orcs and stuff like that, but also having negative 
inherent traits when your cobalt isn't maybe not like these things so i think this is trying to make some pathway to sort of change it in the other direction but yes cobalts in case in case you've com they've completely passed you by they are the smallest of draconic creatures and Bolo's guide sums it up quite nicely about what kind of creatures they are like but here it talks about them being like uh, serving chromatic or metallic dragons that they are they worship them as divine beings but they know how dangerous they are and they can help to defend against others so they they're not like willful um blind obedient servants they they have their own mind and, and intelligence things. they just choose to do these things which i think is quite key to do it so regardless of what their relationship is they can they are going to help or they will break away from it it's not necessarily it's like one way of portraying kobolds but you can do it however you want actually you know what some really cool things here so, so kobolds are yeah little cretinous lizardy things that chase around after dragons and are generally supposed to be evil but again not not so much these days That's but yeah what do you get if you're a cobalt then? So, uh, creature type humanoid, uh, shock horror there. Uh, size small, which does make sense. They are smallish creatures. I imagine them to be like uh, like upright dogs, <laughs> which yep. maybe it's just because they're super cute. I think that's what I like. Exactly. Cobalt are the sort of creatures that stab your knees. That's that's the sort of height you're dealing with there. Quick, get his shins. <laughs> like, <laughs> uh, you have dark vision. It's the only draconic race in this book that has dark vision. And I, I always forget this. I always forget that dragonborns do not have dark vision. So no, that's something to, it's something to know. So that's within 60 feet. Then you have draconic legacy. So the cobalt connection to dragons can manifest itself in unpredictable ways, uh, which I, it's always a, a really cool little like, oh, okay. So what do you have? So you can choose one of the following. You can have advantages on saving throws to avoid or end the frightened condition on yourself, which is definitely a big change from Volos. Cause I remember there was that whole sort of section about um, the grovel, snivel, weep one, where you go and you like, pretend to be frightened, but actually you're giving advantage to your compatriots and stuff. So I thought that was interesting that you're not necessarily going to be a frightened person anymore. You are going to be a brave little adventurer. The other ones you can do, you can know a cantrip of your choice from the sorcerer's spell, spell list. And again, we've talked about this before. You can use any of the sort of uh, mental um, modifiers, so uh, intelligence, wisdom, or charisma. And then the final one is that you can make unarmed strikes with your tail. Uh, if you hit it, it deals 1d6 plus your strength, uh, bludgeoning damage, uh, mm. and you use that uh, instead of a normal unarmed strike. So it's a bit like... That is more than a monk attack, by the way. Yes, exactly. More <laughs> than a monk. It's I, So yeah, again, it's what do you choose from that? I, I uh, sort of advantages of saving throws will be quite useful later on for sure. But I think there's something nice about being able to hit something with your tail or hit have an extra attack that's an unarmed strike in some way. So mm. yeah, absolutely. Yeah, exactly. There's, there's a lot of stuff that can fit into other classes and, and make some quite nice sort of linking effects that, that combine, say, sorcerers or warriors or clerics, whatever you want to be, especially the idea of being able to get a cantrip. That's more useful than you think with a lot mm. of different classes, um, although it is on the sorcerer spell list, so a little bit more limited than you might, you might mm. always think. But, then, yes. so kobolds, yes, they used to have the negative strength in Volos, but they had an amazing ability called pack tactics, where they got mm. advantage on all attacks as long as they were stood next to an ally. Mm -hmm. They got rid of that on this one, and, and instead we have something called Draconic Roar, don't yes, we? Yes, we do. So again, I guess a mixture of the pack tactics thing you just talked about, but also giving them a breath weapon of some sort, but obviously with not any damage, because they're not, I would say they're not really dragons, they are descended from dragons. Uh, but yeah, for a bonus action, you let out a Draconic Roar at your enemies within 10 feet of you, and until the end of your next turn, you and your allies have advantage on attack rolls against these creatures that, who could hear the roar. 
and you can use this a number of times with your professional bonus and regain them all on a long rest. So it's again, it's pretty good. You could do it over and over and over again, and always, you know, if you spin it out of one big fight, you could always have advantages on on attack rolls with the enemies within in front of you, within ten feet. So you have to be up quite close to them, but. I think it's great, like being able to give that advantage to yourself and all of your allies, I guess. So that's pretty, pretty good. It takes the advantage for them and applies it to everybody. And you can use this multiple times as well. Advantage is a very, very useful thing. Very useful thing for getting those crits, for combining with champion fighters or Hexblade Warlocks or other things that give you expanded crit ranges. There's Mm -hmm. huge applications here for other classes and, and feats. So really useful. Very, very useful indeed. We'll then go on very, very quickly, because I know we're almost out of time, for feats and spells. And so essentially what they've done, they've created a feat, one for each uh, dragon type. So you've got the gift of the chromatic dragon, the gift of the metallic dragon, and you've got the gift of the gem dragon. And each of them, they have some sort of bonus to something. So for example, the chromatic dragon, you get you can touch a weapon and infuse it with some sort of damage type for an extra 1d4, always very useful. If you take any kind of elemental damage, you can use your reaction to give yourself resistance to it. So you can use that as well. So that's, that's pretty good as an early sort of, I guess, uh, ability. If you're that sort of person that takes uh, feats instead of ability score, I think that's quite useful for the chromatic one. In terms of the metallic one, you got you learn cure wounds. Always useful. Cure wounds is always good. You can manifest protective wings. <laughs> That's the second <laughs> one of that. But with this one, you actually use it as a shield effect, essentially. And you can shield yourself or another creature within five feet of you to get um, if they're hit by an attack roll. And you grant a D4 bonus to that AC, which, again, could be useful. It's that extra little bit of bless, extra little bit of the spark there, which is really good. And then finally, you have the gem dragon, where you increase a mental ability score by at least one and then if you take damage from a creature within in front of you you can do a reaction to emanate telekinetic energy which i'm always like <laughs> oh what does that mean <laughs> um but yeah get a bit more uh it's basically you can deal 2d8 force damage so that extra little bit and you can use that reaction again the number of times to your proficiency and yeah. gain more long rest so they're all slightly different yeah, um yeah. I get it doesn't necessarily say that you have to be from a draconic lineage or have hmm. to be tied to that. So you could you could, I guess, get several of these if you're always going for feats and stuff like that. There's you could you could. The it. one thing it does mention is it may actually just be a gift from a dragon, like some yes. dragon that you have either killed and slain and bathed in its blood or uh, something oh. that you served and has blessed you effectively. Mm-hmm. Um, this is exactly the sort of thing that a dragon may bestow on somebody. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, you've got a campaign where a dragon features, maybe do some work for them. You never know. You might get a, get a feat out of it. Uh, they're all pretty, pretty good. And yeah, there's no stipulations that if you take one, the other two are limited to you. And then finally, finally, of course, we have to look at some spells because dragons are magical essentially so they are some good spells in here as well we've got a huge range so lots of second level spells but goes right up to seventh Mm -hmm. i mean we will see which ones are more effective than others but i mean were there any spells here that stood out to you as being interesting well instantly the one that stood out to me was draconic transformation where essentially (laughs) you draw on the magic of dragons to transform yourself and you take on different things of being a dragon so you take stuff from the dragons uh, a dragon stat box actually you get blind sight with a range of 30 feet that's mm. pretty incredible again it's a seventh level transformation uh, transmutation spell so obviously it's going to take a lot of power but blind sight mm. i think it's incredibly useful if you're if you're in combat and you know there's magical darkness or there's lots of people hiding in the walls being able to have to be able to see that or be able to sense that is pretty pretty good 
you also get, you know, you also get wings. Uh, you get a fly speed of 40. Of course you do. Of course do. you do. Seventh level. You've got to forgive that one. I, I do forgive that one because it makes sense. But it's 40 feet. So that's a little bit, you know, a little bit quicker than you would be normally. And then finally, you get to exhale a breath of shimmering energy in a 30 foot cone as a bonus action, especially when you cast it and as a bonus action. And that's 3d8 force damage uh, for, if uh, people fail the dexterity saving throw. So mm. you get quite a lot in that, I think. You'd be able to fly around, be able to use a breath weapon. Yeah. Yeah. You, you do, you get a lot. Equally though, I also think for a seventh level spell, do you get enough? Like 3d8. Uh, force damage at 13th level which would be the the slowest mm-hmm. or the, the smallest level that you would need to be to cast this i just feel like it's a little underwhelming i mean admittedly you get to do that as a bonus action every turn so you can yeah. still do the other stuff you're doing and and that probably gives it a bit more respect than perhaps i'm giving it but yeah that, it's another spell i'm thinking of another transformation spell i think either was in tash's or it was in xanathar's i can't remember but it mm. was a sort of spell that basically gets wizards to be able to double attack and do force damage and mm-hmm. transmutation spell i don't know which one's better actually i think the other one may be better but mm. interesting one definitely yeah. and, th- and that can only be actually thinking about it there's a really nice little summary table at the bottom of this page which tells you like which classes it can be uh, taken up by so it's druid sorcerer and wizard for that particular spell one that jumped out at me yes. was Flame Stride, which yes. is quite a fun one. So again, a bonus action spell, concentration one minute, but it gives you the billowing flames of a dragon to cover your feet, granting you explosive speed. For the duration, your speed increases by 20 feet and moving doesn't provoke opportunity attacks. But the interesting thing is if you move within five feet of a creature or an object that isn't being worn or carried, it takes 1d6 fire damage from your trail of heat, but it can only take it once per turn. Mm-hmm. but you take no opportunity attacks and you're moving yeah. really quickly. So you basically just like the flash, you mm-hmm. just drift around and, and, and walk past everybody burning them with no save, by the way. And to make it even more fun, you can cast a spell at higher levels, which does more and more damage. <laughs> so it, it's just this ridiculous spell where you run in, hit someone and then run off and they're burning. And then you do it every turn and no one can catch you. Mm-hmm. And oh, I just the idea of that, it's just, I find it hilariously fun. Yeah, I definitely, I definitely got big Sonic the Hedgehog vibes where you're like just running around people. So yeah, that that would be a really cool one. The other thing to sort of to note in general, obviously, feel free to go into these uh, spells in your own time, uh, listeners. But all the other spells. So interesting enough, we picked two out of the three spells that don't have a name. <laughs> um, so they are named after famous or infamous dragons, which I had to quickly look up before this session. And um, so they're all famous dragons are icing death. Uh, what's the other? Nahir, Nathair, sorry, and then Nathair, yeah, and then Ral Ohim. I don't know. It's they're all famous dragons, uh, which I've not heard of, but I assume they're in like the Dragonlance series or like famous mm. in previous editions of uh, Dungeon Dragons. So it's it's nice, I guess, to have that little little bit of a a, a reference to that. You still, yeah. whilst we're doing a changing and developing going forward, it's always nice to refer back to like, oh, remember this dragon. Their, their spell is now here, or, or yeah, something yeah. about them is here. Exactly. And and very quickly on these spells, some of them have very, very effective abilities. So Icing Death has the ability to, second level spell, to freeze somebody in place, which is yes. very useful. Nefer's Mischief is an amazingly fun spell. Again, only second level, mm-hmm. but it creates a cube that has a mysterious and mischievous ability to it that can either charm, blind, incapacitate, 
mm-hmm. or create difficult terrain. And yeah. it changes every turn yes. and it lasts a minute. And you can move the keep around without using an action or a bonus action. So that spell is actually ridiculously good at controlling the battlefield. It's a very, very good one. Mm-hmm. But the one I wanted to bring up, because this is the one that created the most discussion online, is yep. the Rowlathim's Psychic Lance. Yes. Because there is sometimes spells are written in an Arthakana and they do not have the correct balancing things in them. And <laughs> because of that, people go, hang on, doesn't that mean? And then everyone thinks about it and you go, yes, that's exactly what it means. So I, I don't know if you saw this one, but it's mm. it's an action. You unleash a shimmering lance of psychic power from your forehead at a creature that you can see within range. Mm-hmm. Alternatively, this is a fun bit, you can utter the creature's name. If the named target is within range, it gains no benefit from cover or invisibility as the lance homes in on it. Very cool. If the named target <laughs> isn't within range, the lance dissipates and the spell slot is not expended. Ah. <laughs> so what you can do is go, ah, my big bad in this campaign is called Fiona. Mm-hmm. I cast the spell and say Fiona. Nothing happens. Next round, I move a little bit further. I cast a spell and say Fiona. Nothing happens forward a little bit and you just spend the entire day shouting names like marco polo like marco 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 Marco. oh there you are bang bang 10 d6 psychic damage Mm. Uh, it's it's it it is a ridiculous spell and i i can see what they're trying to do but there should be a never the ability to cast a spell without ritual casting it where you don't use the spell slot because it's just oh yeah that, yeah otherwise you're gonna be yeah that that seems silly that you can't that, that the spell slot is not expended every time you use it because uh, you know every time you've you've sort of ready it because that's that's the big rule we've always had it's like you know if you hold your spell or something and it doesn't go off you've mm. technically lost concentration on that spell you've used that energy you've used that energy up so yeah absolutely that that seems incredibly broken just yep, absolutely <laughs> it does it, it really does but anyway i just thought i'd bring that up because if you yeah. look at the, the reddit chats about that spell it is really funny <laughs> I mean, there's some fantastic dragon options. We've got feats, we've got spells, we've got races. I mean, of everything here, is there a combination that you would want to play if you were playing in a campaign, or or, or do you kind of think that this is all a little bit pointless? Because some enough that kind of can it can miss the mark, and some mm-hmm. of it can be brilliant. You know me, Ryan. I <laughs> I'm a simple girl who likes playing a human and I you know I did talk to someone the other day who's like why would you play a human you could be all these things I think there's way too much choice and this is just me speaking up obviously if you find a character that or a race or an ancestry or else that speaks to you that's brilliant and I think and it's so good that we're having these options but for me I've I've never I've never found anything about dragonborn in general I don't want to say not interesting I do think they're interesting but I feel like there's just so much to them there's there's so many cool things to them but I'm like maybe it's just overwhelming for a choice like certainly if you were a gem dragonborn having sonic mind or gem flight gets to a point when you have these things like obviously you'd always use gem flight when you could absolutely you definitely use that but sonic mind maybe you, i'd forget about it i'm one of those people that always has three things and i forget about the third thing all the time unless someone shouts so you don't remember it i like simple builds and i think with all these going forward having extra things that are positive which is great but it just for me means more things to remember so i think out of all of them i'd actually play the cobalt because it's <laughs> it's super cute it's super fun and like I, the draconic rule is quite useful and it helps other mm-hmm. people i think quite a lot of the other things help yourself and yeah. i i guess maybe for me as a player i like helping other people or like i think i get to a point where i'm like 
right, what else can I do? That's not necessarily, well, I say that I mean, all I ever do is attack, rage attack, but I, that's, that's what I know I do best at. But if I can think of something that's in the environment or there's something I go, oh, I'll do this instead, that change, it, it changes away from it. Whereas I think for the dragon, the other dragon balls, it will just be breath weapon, breath weapon, breath weapon, yeah. which is fine. Yeah. It's, 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 it's fine. But I think for me, cobalt's for sure. They are brilliant. They're absolutely brilliant. And I just, I just, I can't get enough of kobolds. They're wonderful additions to any campaign. And if you have five minutes of your time, Google splat critical role. No more (laughs) needs to be said. That is a kobold in a campaign. And it just, it's just wonderful. But anyway, thank you for that Whistletop tour. We, we learned a lot about dragons and I'm going to chuck loads more dragons at you guys. What, what have what? you been up to otherwise? Where can we find you in the horrible place that is the real world? Well, when I've not been suddenly <laughs> realising my own death is happening through lots more dragons coming towards me, you can find me on uh, What Am I Rolling, which is a twice monthly RPG one-shot podcast. As always, it's going very well. Very um, well, very well. That's what I've heard from as, as primary sources. Primary sources, straight from the source. What else? I was on a show recently called Dragon's Duel, which is a D&D game show um, oh. where I made a character based on trivia questions. And let me tell you, Ryan, my maths is uh, appalling. Uh, oh, oh. <laughs> so oh, we, yeah. we, we, we did all right. It's interesting, I guess, because for me, I, we created an average character, but for people who were very good at it, created ridiculous characters. And we did a one shot of uh, White Plume Mountain where I don't, it's interesting to watch it back because a lot of people go in and fight the fight and I played like a mountain dwarf who is a bard because that's what we rolled. And I, I did a great one. I did hypnotic pattern. Obviously everyone has lots of good strength, um, but not much in terms of wisdom. So they all failed, but it turns out the creature could not be charmed uh, that they were uh. fighting. I enjoyed myself. There's <laughs> um, always a thing about yeah. charming, isn't there? Uh, but yeah, have a look at that. That's uh, the Dragon's Duel podcast. Uh, that one shot will be out soon. I think it's on Twitch currently. Um, but yeah, uh, my character was uh, Helga Smash Dagger. So if you look for those episodes, they'll be out now. Smash so. Dagger is mm-hmm. not something I like to think about. Good God. <laughs> what about you, Ryan? What are you up to, my friend? Oh, I'm going to spend the next half an hour thinking about the implications of smashing a dagger. Ugh. Stabbing, I've heard of, but oh dear. I have been lurking on YouTube. You can find me on Ursa Ryan. I play lots of games and you can watch me there. But I've also got a Discord called the Ursa Ryan Discord. Come and say hi, because I will chat to you about anything such as D&D and the podcast. And the, you know, lurks there occasionally. You can come find her and draw her out of her little lurking position where she overviews and judges everything. Somebody say on. Pathfinder. <laughs> <laughs> I'm here. Isn't I'm here. it terrible? <laughs> Um, oh no we've we've got some cool stuff coming along actually our campaign um we uh, we don't film it anymore but we playing a personal campaign that i'll tell you all about that is now got to 15th level which is very intriguing to dm um and is starting to sort of you know get to interesting places i think um and we're also going to be playing curse of strad soon aren't we so that's quite exciting yeah as i was saying i said to ryan before i've i've looked at the maps i've made my notes i'm gone I don't think I can prepare anymore without over-preparing, which is, I guess you must have this all the time, right? It's like an amazing feeling, but also a terrifying feeling that you've not prepared enough. Yeah, you just wait until the first session and we are already off 
the path that you think we were going to be on and you're like you know what it, it was all for nothing <laughs> it was all for nothing but it's all, i guess it's it's a, again it's a, it feels like like cramming for a big test it's like what about this and you go uh 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 this <laughs> and it's like oh cool you're like what that means yeah. nothing <laughs> absolutely absolutely i'm just looking forward to like all of the backstory we've come up with and then we're all dead within the first episode and it's like okay great there we go <laughs> there is a contingency plan for that so <laughs> it's all good <laughs> Wonderful. Well, thank you very much for listening. Stick around, maybe on whatever Spotify or podcast service you're listening to this on, and it'll immediately roll into a new episode where you will hear us all over again. Hey, why not repeat this episode and just listen to it back repeatedly on half speed or double? You're very exciting. And until then, (laughs) see you next time. Goodbye. Goodbye. (laughs) 